good to have him here doing it for this group. John, I got a little buzz in the monitor. I think you cut that out. That's good. All right, so let me pick up where we left off. Uh, we were, we've been teaching the Gospels, and we've been doing it chronologically. And we left off last week kind of at an awkward place where Jesus pretty much said that, uh, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. We read the passages in Matthew, Luke, and John. Pull up uh, Mark chapter 3. We'll look at the fourth one up and to catch uh, where we were in this place. In Mark chapter 14, it says this. It says, Peter told them, even if everyone falls away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, today, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me But he kept insisting, Peter, you know, Peter's personality, if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. As soon as Peter said that, they all joined in and said, we're with you all the way, all the way. This is just after Jesus said, hey, in a little bit, I'm going to go and I'm going to be arrested and you guys are going to scatter. And they're all like, uh-uh. We're with you. We got your back. Well, you know how that story ends up. So then we jump to the passage in Luke chapter 22. And now there had to have been all sorts of chaos in this room. They're, they're in the upper room still. Judas Iscariot has already like gone, left the room. They've done the Lord's Supper. They just did the Lord's Supper, and they've had this discussion. It says that they started arguing among themselves, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest here? And so now there's this chaos, and Jesus is trying to, like, get these guys, all right, just chill out, just chill out. We got a lot going on here tonight. And so he begins to comfort them. In Luke 22, verse 35, he also said to them, when I sent you out without money bag traveling bag or sandals did you lack anything like when i literally looked at you and said come follow me did you need anything you pretty much dropped what you had right there and you came and you hung out with me and i took care of you you always had a place to sleep always had food in your bellies that you were worried about and then they said, not a thing. We didn't need a thing. You've definitely taken care of us. Verse 36, and then it says, then he said to them, but now, <laughs> Jesus Jesus is about to change, we use the word annul, disqualify what he said before. He's changing what he said before. I told you not to bring anything with you when you came with me, but now that I'm getting ready to leave you, Watch this. It's going to change. It says, whoever has a money bag should take it. And also a traveling bag. And whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. 
For I tell you, what is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. Yes, what is written about me is coming to its fulfillment. I'm getting ready to leave, and you guys need to be prepared to do this on your own. Like, you need to have supplies, you need to have a sword. Wait, what's the sword for? Is the sword because we're going to be in trouble? Well, the, the sword is to protect you. It's to protect you from anything that comes against you. But it's not against persecution. He wasn't saying that the sword is to be used for you when you get persecuted because he said you're going to get persecuted. Remember? He said you're going to like suffer. And they answer him quickly. He says, Lord, they said, look, here are two swords. He says, that's enough. (laughs) That's enough for you guys. Literally, a sword in the front and a sword in the back. That's all you need. Protect your front. Protect your back. It's not against persecution. It's just to protect you from things in the wild. Still in the upper room. And then we get to John chapter 14. You get to John. We're going to be here a while. (laughs) You get to John 14, 15, 16, 17. And Jesus just pours into his disciples one last time before he goes to the cross this chapter 14 actually takes place in the upper room the last supper has just occurred they've had this discussion and jesus is like saying okay guys i need to get real with you and the very first thing that he says is don't let your heart be troubled now i just said that last week when we were talking about this and they ended the Lord's Supper, that the disciples got into an argument about who was the greatest. Well, just understand that all the Jews, including the Pharisees, were raised under this understanding that they collected things. They collected monetary value. They collected stuff and homes and food and everything that they could and then they believed and they were taught that based upon what they collected they would be ranked and where they were ranked that would decide where they would get to live in heaven that would decide the size of their dwelling so you think about it the jews the pharisees Everybody, they've collected stuff all their life, and now Jesus has got these 12 guys, and he says, you don't need anything. I got you. I got you covered. But wait, now you need a money bag. What? What? This is like playing with them. He's like, don't worry about it, though. What you've been taught, this whole mindset that you're going to get ranked and You're going to have a dwelling place in heaven. They were literally arguing amongst themselves who was the greatest. In other words, who's accumulated the most? (laughs) 
Matthew, the tax collector, sitting there arguing, well, I, I got more than you guys. I should be greater than you. They're having this discussion <laughs> immediately after the Lord's Supper. Like, you know, you have one of those just special moments, and then all of a sudden it just turns. You know what I'm talking about, right? The Spirit's just moving, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, you hit this wall, and it like blows up right there. This is exactly what's happened. Jesus says, simply believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, how many houses? <laughs> this is kind of funny. In my fa- how many houses? One house. In my Father's house are many rooms. Did you get that? We're all going to be living together. <laughs> That's hilarious. You ever go to an airport? all the various people i'm talking about we were in canada just like uh yesterday sitting there uh at breakfast and just see the multicultural and how people deal with food and everything else and it's just like wow i could be living with these people in the same house someday it's like a hotel we could be buddies that's what he's saying he's like he's got one house and in my i've got you Now watch this. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. That is a huge statement. Jesus is always, always going to tell his disciples the truth. He's going to teach them the truth. But he will also expose error. If it's not right, he's going to say it. He's going to teach them, look, and you've heard it said, but I say, go to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. You've heard it said one way by the Pharisees, but I say, do this. Jesus will always expose error, but you know that he's teaching truth. He says this. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Now, that passage of Scripture, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. This is in reference to what we have labeled as the rapture where the church just is gone at some point we're assuming that we're out of here because it doesn't talk about the church being in the tribulation so jesus comes gets us takes us to this place all right he takes us to this place but here's what you here's one of the most difficult things to understand about this passage of scripture it says this if i go away and prepare a place you back up before that he says I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. He doesn't say, 
where I will be. He doesn't say, I'm going away and where I will be. He says, where I am, there you will be also. I I struggled with that. I struggled with how because it says, you're going to be where I am. Like literally right now, I'm standing here in my flesh suit at pinheads. And I know that there's a holy living God inside of me, and he's here with me right now. He's in here with you right now, which is a beautiful thing. But he says, where I go, you're there with me also. Wait, so I'm standing here in pinheads with all my lovely people, but at the same time, I'm sitting with my Father in heaven. In spirit, absolutely yes. I'm in two places at once. I'm literally two places at once. Watch this. John 14.10 says this. Just You look down just a few more verses. We'll skip ahead, but we'll come back. He says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father... And the Father is in me. Where's the Father? If Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father is in me, we're here together right now on this earth. Yet at the same time, spiritually, I'm with them up there in heaven. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. But Paul even confirms the fact, if you look, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, he says, He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. That is present tense. He's already, it's not like wait till you die. It's not wait till you die to get it. I'm seated in the heavenlies right now, even though I'm standing, and it's the same for you. I truly believe that. Colossians 1.27, you better get excited when I read this. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you hear that? The hope of glory. What is it, Luke? In Christ, but you call it Shekinah glory is in Luke Dunnick, believe it or not. I believe it with all my heart. When I sit here and look at Luke, I see Shekinah glory. Oh, <laughs> church, do you get this? Literally, if you just like look around the room right here and you see Shekinah glory in the room, you sure would treat everybody differently. Like it would be a new day for the church if the church could figure that thing out. Literally. It's not something that you have to work at to attain later down the road. It's present right now in this very room. And honestly, in all believers. All believers. Verse 4, he says, You know the way to where I'm going. In other words, he's saying... Jesus is the way to the Father in heaven, 
and you know Jesus. You know the way. But these these guys, 11 at the time, are sitting there going, we don't have a clue what he's saying. Why didn't they have a clue what he's saying? Because the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. It came in Acts chapter 2, and they're sitting there like going, we hear him, but we have no idea what, what what's going on here. In verse 5, it's proven. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And here we go. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, let's just be honest here. It's this passage of Scripture that gets Christians in trouble, right? Because it is the verse of exclusivity. You've just excluded everybody that doesn't believe in Jesus as the Savior and the Son of God, right? Gets us in trouble. Like, Jesus just said, I'm giving you the absolute way. I'm giving you the absolute truth right here. In other words, there is no other way. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Jesus is the only way he's saying it. So you ask that question, how do you get to heaven? Jesus says, it's me. I'm the way. There's no doubt that Christianity has taken a hit on exclusivity. You go back, and you can look at all the other faiths, and I don't, I don't necessarily, well, I do get it. But you can look at Muhammad, you can look at Krishna, you can look at Buddha, and all have determined their ways to heaven, right? Right? Everybody's determined their ways to heaven, but they don't get pinned with exclusivity, Because theirs is all based upon the way that you live your life. It's all based upon philosophies. It's not based upon one person who says, I'm the way. Muhammad never said, I'm the way. Krishna never said, I'm the way. My philosophies are the way. But he never said that. Jesus has literally said, look, I'm the way. I go to John chapter 1. We talked about this the third week that we did the Gospels. It's a great story. It's a great story. It says, Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said about him, Here is a true Israelite. No deceit is in him. If you just read that verse right there, it'd fly right by you. But if you dig into it, 
it's actually a reference to Jacob. Jacob was the Israelite who deceived his father, remember that? Isaac, to steal the birthright of Esau, remember that? There was deceit in Jacob. And Jesus has walked up to Nathanael, never met him before. Nathanael's sitting under the tree, and he says to this Nathanael, here is a true Israelite, no deceit is in him. And Nathanael looks up and goes, what in the world? Who, who is this guy? And you're sitting here and you're like, going, well, that, that's no big deal. And Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. You see, Philip's just sitting under this fig tree because it was Jewish tradition that students sat under specific trees to study, believe it or not. That being fig trees. And Jesus now made a reference to the person that Nathaniel was thinking about. He was literally thinking about Jacob. And he says, you're not a man of deceit. Well, how would you know I was thinking about Jacob who is of deceit? I take you back to Genesis chapter 28 and the story of Jacob. We're jumping back. We'll get back there. Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head, and lay down in that place. And he dreamed a stairway. Some of your translations say a ladder. Jacob's ladder. A stairway and God's angels were going up and down on it. Jacob was laying there, had a dream about a stairway, and angels were going up and down this ladder to heaven. Now, jump back to John chapter 1. Nathaniel's talking to Jesus. He says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel because in Jacob, because in Nathaniel's mind, he knew that Jesus had just read his mind. Not only did he know his name, Nathaniel, but he knew what Nathaniel was thinking about. Watch this. And Jesus responded to him. Do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? <laughs> Is that the amount of faith it took for you to believe that I am? The Messiah was just that I called you out by name and said you were thinking about Jacob, a man of deceit. He's like, you're going to see greater things than this. And watch what he says. Then he said, I assure you, you will see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Not only was he thinking, not only was Nathaniel thinking about Jacob who had a dream about a staircase, a ladder that was going to heaven, but Jesus says, I know what you were thinking, but watch. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
I am that ladder. I am that stairway. I'm him. This is back in John chapter 1, Nathaniel. And now he's like saying, I am the way. Nathaniel was going to see greater things. So now watch this. Jesus has determined that he is the absolute way to heaven. And I would have to say that absolutes are, (laughs) I could say absolutely, uh, absolutes are minimized in our society today. Wouldn't you agree? Everything is relative. Everything is relative. Somebody said absolutely, didn't you? There has to be, there has to be more than one one way. Like the argument, one might argue that the sun always rises in the east. An astrophysicist might confidently counter that the sun never rises in the east; it stays put, and the earth does the moving. There's always going to be an argument nowadays based upon what one person might believe. And often when we use these superlative forms, those that usually you boast about, they end in an EST ending. It's a really a matter of opinion. Well, it's the best coffee in town. That's just an opinion. It's not an absolute. Or, that was the worst rendition of I can only imagine I've ever heard. I've heard that I don't know how many times. You can't logically argue against the existence of absolute truth. Think about this for a second. I'll make you think a little bit here for a second. But you can't really have an argument against absolute truth to argue against something is to establish that a truth exists right to argue against something there's a truth that exists which is an absolute so for you to say there's no absolutes that's an absolute statement it's a stupid argument yet this is where our society goes and we just enjoy having these discussions all the time There are absolutely no absolute truths. That's stupid. No one knows what the truth is. The speaker obviously believes his statement is true. Think about all the things that are said. We live in a world where truth is relative. There's no right, and there's no wrong. We should be able to do whatever we want, right? This is our generation. This is what we're getting. This is not what my God is like. Whatever you're saying right here, my God would do this, which is based upon opinions, based upon feelings and sometimes it's based upon science that's it that's what we've come down to 
It's like, <laughs> I hate to say this, it's like we've walked into this endless cave and we're lost. Right? You with me? We just keep going further and further into this cave and we're not going to find our way out. I believe in Jesus. I'm assuming because you're here today that you believe the same thing. And if I believe in Jesus, I have to believe in what he's saying. And Jesus said, not only am I the way, but I'm the truth. And based upon that, sometimes we need assistance out of the cave, right? You heard there's four of the boys that got out of the cave already. Sometimes we just need assistance out of the cave. Let me give you assistance out of the cave this morning. When Jesus says, I am the truth, over 200 times in the scripture, he's referred to as the truth. Psalm 40, verse 11. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. Psalm 86, 11. This is David speaking. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Psalm 119.45 I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts, your truths. Then Zechariah. Zechariah says in 8.16 These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other and render true and sound judgment in your courts. John 8. 31, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John sixteen thirteen. but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. John seventeen seventeen. God's word is truth. Paul says in Romans 1, 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. He says again in 1 Corinthians 13, 6, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. And then he says to the church at Ephesus in six fourteen, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You guys, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. I believe it with all my heart. I can base truth upon relativity and it's not going to get me anywhere. But I always come back to this right here and that Shekinah glory that lives in me. And we hang out together and I see the truth. Is this a gospel of exclusivity? For God so loved the world. 
for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That sounds pretty inclusive to me. You just have to make a choice. Choose Jesus, or you don't choose Jesus. Father, I pray that uh, your word has rang true in the hearts of your children here this morning. I pray that it's not based upon opinion, but it's based upon your spirit uh, moving in each of us and that we can clearly hear and see that you are a loving God and that you speak truth and you point out error and you love all deeply. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.